All right, let's take a look if we are live. Let's check. Stream health is good. Got a live feed. Hello, everyone. We've got right now. Let's take a look. Let me go as well to the live feed. We can see your chat. All right, eighteen people. We're gonna come up live in just we're having a little delay. Live stream is still offline, but it will come up any moment. So um, as you're watching this, keep in mind that we're on YouTube about 20 seconds in delay, uh, even a little bit more. And we're ready to uh, get Charlie in to the live feed any moment now. Okay, excellent. So we're live now. Let's uh, get Charlie in the live feed. So what's happening today is we're not streaming from church. What we're streaming is from Charlie's house. So we set up a temporary server. Uh, if you take a look right now, what we're seeing is a uh, hurricane that's uh, in the keys. This is a live feed. Um, let's uh, get Charlie in and he can explain the situation and what we're gonna do today. All right. Charlie, can, Charlie you, can hear you hear me? Hear me. I can, are you there? Yes, excellent. Yeah, you're live now. So, uh, so uh, let's uh, get this started. So tell us what's going on and uh, what is the situation. Well, it's a rainy, windy day here in Sarasota and it's only gonna get much, much worse in the uh, uh, hours ahead. We've got, uh, right now the eye is going, just passing Key West and the, uh, the Florida Keys and they will now be getting the opposite direction of wind. So this is really dangerous for them because things that have blown in one direction are blowing in the other now. And uh, from there, it's gonna come up the coast. And as it stands right now, they're saying it might be a St. Petersburg landfall. And if that's the case, we are going to get a storm surge, which we would, were hoping we would not get. I'm on CS Key. We've been out here for 69 years. And if we get a storm surge, it could completely destroy the island or it could, you know, destroy the house. So this may be our last few moments out on CSVP before I actually leave after the cross the update. Wow, that is incredible. And you said uh, earlier to me um, when I was asking some questions that it's uh, during hurricanes like this, it's possible for inlets to shift and change their place and in fact new ones to form. So because so of the way the, the island, island, the uh, siesta key is uh, laid out, they could form new inlets at the very the house very where you're at right now. Is that correct? That's right, because we are at the very narrowest part of the island. It's I, I could throw a stone almost from the bay to the uh, gulf. And uh, it, it, there's a waterway in between the two as well. And so what could happen is that it could cut the island directly in half anywhere along this couple mile stretch. And so that would be a real disaster. Wow. wow. Okay. okay. So, uh, what we're going to do today is, um, we're going to, uh, do a prophecy update just from Charlie's house. Um, and there's going to be no sermon, uh, because Charlie will need to leave the house right after the prophecy update in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, after the prophecy update, we'll show, we'll also have an episode from Israel, from Zippori. 
uh, Rodina went this week. Uh, what I'm going to say now is if there will be a power outage or Charlie will lose internet and we'll lose feed from Charlie. So don't leave immediately. Stay put. We'll try to get the feed back. If the power is out, Charlie won't be able to get out. He'll just go back to um, um, uh, leave the key and go to the mainland where he's going to stay. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll uh, restore the feed from Nazareth and I'll put the movie in the end and I'll give a last update uh, if we can. If uh, the Lord allows. Does that sound uh, good with you, Charlie? Sounds wonderful to me. You're in charge over there. <laughs> well, uh, let's uh, do one thing before we start. Uh, I hear a little background noise from the fan. Is the fan off or is it still on? We could try to turn the fan off. Over here. You want me to turn that off? Yeah, let's turn it off because I can hear a little bit of that um, wind blowing to the microphone. Meanwhile, while Charlie does that, I'll uh, got some here footages. This is uh, from earlier uh, yesterday. This is uh, footage from the uh, Caribbean islands. Let's see if you can get a feed here. Yeah, there it is. So you can see that's that's what a hurricane category five looks like. So by the time it hits Minnesota, it's going to be category three, uh, maybe four. We'll see. But, uh, but uh, it, looks it looks scary. And if you listen to the sound of it. It has this uh, very high pitch noise. It almost sounds like a train or a very loud noise. It's uh, quite scary. Uh, we uh, pray that it won't be that bad in Sarasota. Um, we'll pray for uh, Charlie and the church um, that the Lord will protect them and uh, keep them safe. Uh, also, this is a feed from earlier in Miami. Good morning. See, uh, there and that's kind of eighty-five miles per hour in Sarasota. Right now, it's about ten a.m., so we've got thirty-seven miles an hour winds outside. Uh, and uh, by the time Charlie's done, it's going to be about 40, so that he's still safe to drive. But then later afternoon, Charlie's going to stay in the house in the mainland. And that's uh, right now we're looking at Charlie's backyard. That's happening right now. Uh, is it bad out there, Charlie, yet or not? It's, it's not bad yet. It's kind of fun. Uh, you walk out on the dock and you get a nice, uh, it's like a very strong summer uh, thunderstorm right now. It's, it's, it's a fun time out there. Nice. nice. Well, okay, so okay, we're going to get started. started. I'm going to put in the, the uh, Prophecy Upgrade intro video, and, uh, and uh, once that's over, you can over, start, you can and that's the that's part that's on, actually going to go to uh, the um, uh, the recorded uh, version recorded later today. today. And one more uh, notice. Can they still hear me? Yes, they can yeah, still hear you. So, I yeah, you can do the... I uh, these posts on live chat right now, and I, I say hello to all of you. I love all of you, and I've never been able to do this before where I could see you guys chatting. And I see all of your names and all of your comments, and it's really wonderful to uh, see you. And uh, I just wish you all a really, really wonderful day and a great week ahead, okay? That's great. That's and they'll be able to hear in about 20 seconds from now because we're in delayed feed. But they will be able to hear you or this message. Right. Good deal. Great. Okay, so uh, before we start the prophecy update, um, any other uh, updates? Uh, what about uh, what's going to happen next after the storm? If you can just give an update to uh, the church members with the church. And, yeah. What's going to happen is if the, everywhere in Sarasota is going to have damage, nobody's going to be exempt from that. If the um, house that I'm in is damaged heavily or if it's flooded or if it's destroyed, 
I'm probably not going to have church for a few weeks at least until we can figure out where we're going to live and what we're going to do. Um, there probably won't be any prophecy update or anything. Um, if things are okay, if we can move back into the house and the computer isn't ruined, then uh, we'll be able to hopefully get back on track within one week or two weeks. Um, I would ask that nobody sends any emails for a couple weeks, though, because it's going to be, i got four jobs, four properties that I take care of, and it will be a real, real difficult time for me uh, taking care of these people that I'm responsible for, as well as this house and me going eight blogs. But uh, thank you all for that kind of patience. That's wonderful. Yeah, we'll uh, be praying for you and uh, try to not not send you any more work than uh, what you already have with the storm and uh, see how we can help as well. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, by the way, where are the uh, where are the chihuahuas now? Uh, they're in the kitchen. Do you want me to bring one of them out to have the update with you? Yeah, that would be great. Let's do that. All right. Well, Charlie does that. You can see the latest. Uh, that, I'll show you Cam from Sarasota. This is Siesta Key. So if Charlie's facing the Bay Area, uh, this is the opposite side. This is, would be behind Charlie's house. And you can take a look right now and see the um, the beach has extended farther into the sea because what's happening is as the um, as the, uh, the, the storm pushes out the water, because it's still south of Sarasota, it's pushing out the water out into the sea. But later, as the storm passes Sarasota, all that water is going to come back and flood. Is that understand, uh, do I understand it correctly, Charlie? It's just like a uh, tidal wave, basically. The water is sucked out, and then it comes back with everything from the south coming with it. And that's what a uh, storm surge is. They're expecting an 8 to 10 foot storm surge. I'm at about 2 foot elevation right here. So, uh, it, and it is what it is, and uh, we'll just have to go and see what happens from there. Okay, great. So if uh, the dog is going to give any issues, any points, we can uh, put no, her back. No, just put her down on but, the ground. That's no problem. Okay. Oh, she's adorable. Wait, who, which one is this? This is Mary. This is, Mary. This is one that oh. Rhoda named. <laughs> oh, wow, she's oh, wow. so big already. Okay, so okay, let's get so started. Let's get I'm going to put the intro, and then we start right after that. Is the camera on and the uh, audio on? For me or for you? Uh, for you. Uh, for Did you, you. Oh, yes, the, everything's, uh, everything's running. Yep. Okay, okay. great. Uh, do you need uh, to you clap need for the syncing or, or you already done that? I will do that, and, um, and um, I ha now have different glasses on, so tell everybody I can't read anything except what's right in front of me. Okay, great. <laughs> they heard you. Great. Okay, so I'm going to put in the prophecy intro video. We start in three, two, one. prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's Sunday, it's 10 September, and it's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we've got a special Prophecy Update today. Uh, we have a hurricane going over us right now. It's down just passing 
Key West at this time, uh, they got the uh, rotation over them, and so they had it going in one direction. It's going to turn, and it's going to go the other direction, and that is very dangerous because everything that's been blown in one direction will now blow into a new direction. And uh, so we want to keep the people down in the very south where that eye is right now in prayer. And um, it is moving north to us very quickly. If you can see, I don't know if that's online or not, but uh, we have Siesta Beach and the water is being drawn off of Siesta Beach right now. So it's much, much wider than it normally is. And what's going to happen is that storm is projected to come up the coast directly to Sarasota and then maybe pass us. And we will be on the right side, which is the dangerous side of the storm. If it passed us on the uh, inland side, I'm sorry, that would be the right side, then we would uh, be much safer. But if it goes on the left side, then we will get that storm surge back. And where I live is on a barrier island, and I have a two-foot elevation here. And the um, uh, storm surge at this time is supposed to be 8 to 10 feet. So that means that we may lose our house, and uh, if we lose our house, then... Uh, we will not be having a prophecy update for quite a while. And if we uh, uh, do that, then we'll probably won't even be having church attendance other than just to meet and maybe praise the Lord for his goodness. But um, a few things that I want to mention before we get into the update itself is that uh, we have live streaming right now, which is in conjunction with the update. Normally they're separate, but today it's the same. And so the quality may be different, but this live streaming is being done directly from Israel. Sergio Boitenko and his wife Rhoda are in Nazareth right now, and they're acting as a command center for getting this video together. Any graphics you see, anything that you see other than me sitting here with Mary is done by Sergio in its entirety. And he's spent all night over in Israel and all day in Israel getting this ready. So we want to thank him very much. And uh, then, of course, um, I want to uh, pay back John Holler, who about, um, I don't know, maybe six months ago, had mentioned me in one of his updates and said, oh, um, Charlie Garrett's down in Sarasota right now, and it's uh, nice and cool and sunny, and we're suffering up here. And uh, I emailed him yesterday, and I told him that I'll be happy to trade places with him right now, and that he can go ahead and have the uh, uh, Sarasota fun, and we'll take whatever he has up there. He said it was about 71 degrees and lovely. So uh, anyway, that's, that's where we're at with that, as John and I are going to have to just continue complaining about each other's weather but um, anyway um, for the people that watch the prophecy update I would really appreciate it if nobody would email me any questions of any kind for at least two or three weeks I don't just have the church that I uh, take care of but I also have four properties part-time jobs that I take care of and there will be damage on every property in Sarasota Florida the four that I take care of are heavily wooded um, I'm probably going to have to cut apart trees that have fallen down onto houses, maybe uh, help move destroyed cars. And it's going to be a very long few weeks, to say the least. And uh, so please, if you email, uh, you know, email John Holler maybe, but uh, save any work that you can for me. And if I get an email, I'm going to be frank, I'm just going to have to delete it because I cannot respond to emails while I'm uh, preparing you know, even that's assuming that we have a house at all. And if we don't, then it may be much longer. But um, all is good. And uh, so those are my uh, uh, personal uh, things that I wanted to share with you. And before we get into the prophecy update, one more thing I'd like to do is I'd like to have a prayer together. And so uh, let me change my glasses so I can actually read what I typed to you. And uh, this is just a prayer for uh, the Lord's goodness. Lord God, 
how wonderfully good you are to us. You give us rains for the plants, sunshine for the flowers, and blue skies for our enjoyment. Your open hand of grace is evident in all ways and at all times. This is even true in times of great distress and calamity. While one is dying, a child is being born. While property is lost and grain then springs from the ground. And even in death, life springs anew for the soul who is called out to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your kind hand of grace upon us. How wonderfully good you are to us. And we pray this in the exalted and beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Uh, our first category, as always, is Israel. And uh, I've got some... Uh, just short little uh, articles from the Times of Israel to read you, and I have a point about this. From the Times of Israel first, most of Houston Jewish community hard hit by Harvey flooding. So it wasn't just, you know, Americans in general, it was the Jewish community as well. It says a large portion of the city's Jewish population is living in areas that have experienced flooding, the Jewish Federation of Greater Houston said. And then next we have from the Times of Israel again, Bennett urges Israelis to help Jews in flood-hit Houston. So the Israelis are reaching out to the, their fellow Jews in Houston, and um, it says that 71% of the city's 63,700 Jews live in areas devastated by high flooding, including 12,000 seniors. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, and I have one more article to read on this subject, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because people love to find reasons why we are having, uh, you know, earthquakes or why we would have a tropical storm. The fact is that we've had uh, hurricanes now forever. You know, in the 1800s, there was a giant one that destroyed Houston, I think it was, and many, many, many people died. And we've had the quietest 10 years imaginable as far as um, uh, hurricanes in Florida. It's been a very, very quiet 10 years. Before that, we had many hurricanes. And so these are part of the working, regular workings of what happens in the world. And sometimes it may be judgment. Sometimes it may just be that um, it helps nature. If you have lightning strikes, for example, without lightning strikes, the nitrogen in the atmosphere is not properly released. But by having lightning strikes, you will have properly released nitrogen, and it causes plants to grow and things to work as they should. And the same is true with hurricanes. The dead trees are taken out of the way and new life comes from that death. And so this is a part of the regular working of the world. And I don't want to be one of these people that says that this is judgment because Donald Trump was elected president, as that numbskull liberal said a couple days ago, and as many other liberals are saying. Uh, if you were to use that logic, then Houston was judgment not on Texas, but it was judgment on a Democrat mayor. And we don't want to come to those conclusions. But... I would say that it is more than probable that the Lord will use this particular disaster in Houston and maybe the one in Florida, because we have many, many Jews in Florida where they'll say it's time for us to Aliyah back to the homeland. And so if that happens, then Ezekiel 36 prophecies are coming true because of natural disasters. He's bringing them back in multitudes of ways, the pogroms and the Holocaust and you know, all other ways that are imaginable. So let's let's consider that as one of the possibilities of why these things are happening. And not just this is judgment of God because we made a peace deal with somebody over in Kuwait or something. I, I just don't think that it works that way all the time. Although there are patterns which reflect that at times. Okay, so the next article is on the same subject. Um, 
again from the Times of Israel, Bennett uses Israelis to help Jews in flood-hit Houston. So Diaspora Affairs Minister Naftali Bennett called on Israelis to help the Jewish community in flood-stricken Houston. The minister urged Israelis to contribute to the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund, which is set up by Jewish Federations of North America. Hours before the Diaspora of, uh, Affairs Minister's plea, a team of seven volunteers from Israel non-governmental organization flew to Houston, joining three others already on the ground at the scene in order to provide emergency assistance to relief efforts. Now I mentioned those people in a previous update, is that Israel is here in America helping us. And they're a small little country and yet they're willing to do that. And so we want to remember that they are being good to us and we want to reward them. You know, visit them on your vacations and send money into their economy because they are doing the same for us. And it's a wonderful thing with this mutual relationship that we have between Israel and the United States. And while I'm talking to you, I wanted to show you our little girl, Mary, who closes off every one of our prophecy updates with a photo at the end of the update. She's uh, just a few months old and she got her name from Rhoda, uh, Sergio's wife over in Israel. And uh, she's a wonderful dog. She did not want to come out of her cage to do a prophecy update, but once she got out of out here, she hasn't wanted to leave me alone. So I wanted to let you say hi to Mary. And uh, we'll get back into our next article now, which is um, from the uh, Times of Israel again. UN chief said to meet families of Pakistanian terrorists in Ramallah. Now this is rather important because this is something that our president avoided happening. He uh, he did. Uh, a visit to Israel, and he also met with the uh, Pakistanians, but he did not go to Ramallah, and for exactly the reason that's contained in this article, which says, in a statement, the UN said the sit-down was not planned, and Guterres was confronted by mothers of child detainees in the West Bank city, following his meetings with Pakistanian officials. The statement came after the official Wafa Pakistanian news agency reported on the meeting. While the UN said Guterres met with the mothers of detained minors, Wafa identified one of the women present as, here we go, Latifa Abu Hamid, whose four adult sons are serving life sentences in Israeli prisons on various terror charges. One of the Abu Hamid brothers was actively involved in the October 2000 lynching of two Israeli soldiers in Ramallah and another provided weapons during the second intifada for deadly terror attacks against Israeli civilians in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. She's a real quality mother there. All uh, were active members of terror organizations upon their arrest. The Pakistanian report, here we go, also quoted Guterres as expressing sympathy for the prisoner's plight in the comments the UN said were fabricated. Any quotas attributed to the Secretary General in this regard are fabricated, it's said. But damage is done. They have that in their society who won't know what the UN, uh, you know, disclaimed this. And so this is exactly why our president avoided any such contact with um, the Pakistanians in Ramallah. is because they're deceitful people. They're dishonest people. They're destroying people. And as I said, that mother is a perfect example of having four sons who have gone this path and she is obviously making a bunch of money off of her children being in prison, and she's probably living the high life, and uh, they invited her to be with this guy. It's all bad news. It should be completely rejected by any leader visiting the area, but once again, a bad mistake, and it will garner sympathy in those people in the world that are stupid enough to believe these things. Okay, next article, Times of Israel again. From Russia, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Russia launches world's first Jewish 
cryptocurrency. A Russian entrepreneur has launched the initial offering of a cryptocurrency aimed primarily at the Jewish market that would conform to Jewish law and offer participants interest-free loans. I said at the beginning Russia did this. It's a Russian. I can't see very well because it's a bit dark in my house. Um, Bitcoin. It's kind of a uh, uh, pun on the name Cohen, which is the high priestly clan, Cohen and Bitcoin. So Bitcoin um, is billed as the first kosher cryptocurrency in the world, according to the website. It promises to give 10% of earnings to charity and says it can be used at 110 reception points, including kosher restaurants and stores. The ICO, which is initial coin offering, is planned for October 9th, which was yesterday. In addition to conforming to Jewish law, members of the kosher cryptocurrency will be able to receive interest-free loans. So there you go. Another step into the digital world is a kosher currency. Uh, next we have from the Times of Israel. Israeli company offers anti-terrorism adventure to tourists. Now, as I said, it would be nice if people would take their time and they uh, take a trip to Israel and spend money there. And while you're there, you can learn anti-terrorist uh, training. Here's what it says. The foreigners yell, fire, 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 before shooting their automatic weapons as instructors look on. The aim of the training is not to teach you how to shoot, but to make you understand what we do here to fight terrorism. The attraction offers an unusual option for visitors coming to Jerusalem's holy sites or float in the Dead Sea. But while it may be exhilarating or instructive for some, others find it, yes, offensive accusing the company of profiting from Israel's fears of Pakistanian terrorism. The company is Caliber 3. It began in 03 as a training camp for professional security personnel such as police. And since 09, it has become an attraction for terrorists who are taught how to handle weapons, participate in paintball, or learn Krav Maga, which is the self-defense method using boxing and martial arts developed by the Israeli military. It's kind of like judo, it's kind of like karate, it's a mixture of them, and that's their own personal brand of it in Israel. Now, if anybody sees me holding on to Mary's collar, she's trying to eat all the buttons off of my shirt, so I'm uh, holding on to that, and I apologize. I'm not strangling my dog, I'm just saving my shirt. And um, if I stink a little bit, it's because last night, when they have a mandatory evacuation order, in order to get people to get off of the island, they shut off the water. And so there has been no water here since last night. I... Um, I uh, did take a shower beforehand, and I can go out in the rain and take a shower anytime I want. But um, it's been a little difficult not having water here on Siesta Key. And I um, uh, had another point which just escaped me, but we'll go on to our next article, which is from Israel Hayom. Israeli emergency aid group races to get ahead of Hurricane Irma. All right, so Israel isn't just helping people afterwards. They're there helping people before. Zaka search and rescue organization is working with local groups to set up emergency centers in Miami, organizing generators, crucial equipment, and food. Zaka head Yehuda Meshi Zahav, we help anyone in need, Jew, Christian, or Muslim. So once again, Israel's at the forefront of almost every good thing that happens in the world, and uh, they're a real shining example to us in the United States, and I hope that anybody that's watching this will Remember to uh, just pray for Israel daily, pray for their uh, security, their peace, and also pray for their salvation. That's the main thing, is that, uh, and it's something. If you guys stick around and watch the um, uh, video, the uh, travel video that Sergio and Rhoda did this week, 
you will see Messianic Jews doing something in a special event which is actually witnessing to non-believing Jews. And so I'd ask that you watch that. It is a marvelous, marvelous adventure. And uh, I hope that you'll click on that link, which will be provided at the end of the Prophecy Update. Then we'll go on to our next article, which is from Breitbart. Top rabbi gives Orthodox Jews permission to travel on Shabbat to escape Hurricane Irma. Well, thank goodness for the top rabbi who's allowing people to save their lives instead of dying. They were allowed to uh, travel on Saturday, which was yesterday. And uh, this goes hand in hand with the Hebrew Roots movement. If you're stuck in that type of a thing, the law is fulfilled in Christ. It is over, it is set aside, it is obsolete, and it is annulled according to the book of Hebrews. In Colossians 2.14, it says that the law is nailed to the cross. The symbolism is that Christ is the embodiment of the law. He was crucified on a cross, okay? And when he died, the law died with him. That's the symbolism that we're to take from that. And it, it includes the Sabbath. It is one of the commandments which is no longer, uh, we are no longer obligated to uh, be a part of. And having said that, there is no such thing as a Sunday Sabbath. It is a day of worship. All days, according to Paul, several times in his writings are on equal standing. So please understand that, that the law is set aside in Christ. It is annulled in Christ. And if you're trying to work your way to heaven saying, I can add to the cross of Jesus, all you're doing is offending God. You, are, you have become a debtor to the entire law. It is a self-condemning act. You can never work your way to heaven. It is impossible. So rest in Christ, trust in Christ. And you know what? We've got this giant hurricane here, and we will have devastation. We will have destruction, and there may be death. And I will tell you that I have no problem with that at all. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for these four puppies right now being with me, I wouldn't leave this island today, probably. I can punch, punch my ticket, and it will make no difference in the world because I'm ready to see my Lord. But please get right with them and uh, call on Jesus if you have not done so. We'll go on to our next article from Behold Israel. Former IDF intelligence head strikes in Syria overnight, not routine. We've all heard about the uh, strikes in Syria. Everybody's been commenting on them. They were not routine strikes. I'm going to give you one comment from the article. It says, the strikes are the most significant attack from Israel in Syria since it destroyed Syria's nuclear reactor at Al-Kibar in 2007. This was a major, major attack. It is something that uh, Syria's actually got himself caught in uh, kind of a 2020s, uh, yeah, what do you call it, uh, hindsight 2020 uh, scenario. They have to look back and say, we should have done this or this, but they didn't do either. And so there's really nothing that they can do about what Syria, what Israel has done to Syria. And um, it's, it's, it's a very interesting time we're living in. It has nothing at this point to do with the fall of Damascus in Isaiah 17. That was one of the first comments I saw on a post was, is, uh, was the attack on Damascus as if this is, you know, the end times or something. Not going to happen. Damascus is going to be destroyed in a night. It will never be inhabited again, and nobody is ready to use nuclear weapons at this point. It is coming. It is not coming now. Okay, so we don't need to worry about that. Any of that type of speculation is beyond idle. It becomes uh, something we shouldn't be doing because that is an end times event. All right, from Christian News today. Um, I'll tell you, before I actually get into Christian News, is that... Um, I, and I may have said this at the beginning of the update, but we have been on this island. The Garrett family has been on this island now for 69 years. We're just a couple months away from starting our 70th year on the island. 
And yet, it may be the very last time that we live on an island in the next two hours when uh, the update is done. I've packed up everything and taken it upstairs to the high part of the uh, house. Uh, if the house is destroyed, it may be the end of our time on Siesta Cape. And so um, I just want you all to know that life is tenuous, that anything can happen at any time. This is a big hurricane and people were kind of expecting it, but you could walk across the road and you could get killed today. All right. And if that was the case, then if you have set your uh, your uh, stage for all of eternity at that time. And so if you are not witnessing to people about Jesus, if you're spending a lot of time watching too many prophecy updates and not reading your Bible, you're really wasting your time. I don't mind watching a couple updates a week. That's fine. And make sure you always watch the Superior Word Prophecy Update. But the main thing in your life is, one, to get right with God by knowing the Bible, and two, is to get people right with God by knowing Jesus Christ. So uh, your time is short, our time is short, and please make the effort to get out there and do what you are commanded to do and not do what you are not commanded to do uh, or commanded to not do, which is to speculate about the end times events, such as September 23. We are specifically commanded several times in Scripture to not do that. We're not going to know. We're not going to beat the Lord out at this game. People are sending me videos saying that we can know the day that Christ is returning. That is false. That is absolutely false. We are to do our job, which is to tell people about Jesus Christ and to pet little puppies on the head. Okay, so we're going to go on. Our first article is uh, Faith Family America. Hundreds of pastors, Christian leaders take side against the Bible. Uh, you've probably heard about the Nashville statement. I've got several articles on it. Recently, 150 evangelical leaders signed a statement reaffirming the traditional Christian teaching on marriage, which was a good thing. In this statement, they restarted, reasserted that man-woman marriage remains biblical teaching, all right, despite what the popular culture promotes. As is expected, they were bombarded with criticism. But what was perhaps less expected were the hundreds of, and I'm going to add in the word supposed, supposed Christian pastors, writers, and theologians who have joined the criticism. As far as I'm concerned, they have departed completely from any sense of morality. So uh, that's what's going on. Next is from the Nashville Statement directly. Okay, you can read the entire statement at cbmw.org. Okay. This is just one part of the statement. I thought you might want to know what it is. It's followed by 14 articles. They're all very short. You can read them and you can know what people were signing. It says, we believe that God's design for his creation and his way of salvation serve to bring him, meaning God, the greatest glory and bring us the greatest good. God's good plan provides us with the greatest freedom. Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it in overflowing measure. He is for us and he is not against us. Therefore, in the hope of serving Christ's church and witnessing publicly to the good purposes of God for hum human sexuality revealed in Christian scripture, we offer the following affirmations and denials. And then they list all 14 of them. As I said, they're very short. You can read them quickly. And then from there, you'll be versed on what is going on and why this has upset so many people. From the Patriot Post, Christians sign statement of Christian faith left goes nuts. Christians aren't supposed to believe what the Bible teaches. Christians are instead supposed to believe what 21st century social justice warriors allow them to believe. That's essentially the message of progressives in the wake of the signing by many prominent evangelical Christians of the Nashville Statement. 
National Review's David French, among the signers, sums it up. He says it's a basic declaration of Christian orthodoxy on sexuality, sexual orientation, and sexual identity. Its 14 articles can be boiled down to a simple statement. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God declares that sexual intimacy is reserved for the lifelong union of man and woman in marriage. It acknowledges the reality of same-sex attraction as well as the reality of transgender self-conceptions, but denies that God sanctions same-sex sexual activity or a transgendered self-conception that is at odds with biological reality. In other words, it is basic Christianity. And they're absolutely right on that. People may have inclinations toward being an alcoholic, but we are not to be alcoholics. We're to overcome that. People may have inclinations to being homosexual, but they are not to practice it. It is forbidden, and we are not to engage in those type of things. It doesn't matter if somebody actually has those inclinations or not. That is irrelevant. They are not to participate in such things. Anything forbidden by the Bible, we are to stay away from. All right, from the Daily Caller, pro-gay church leaders condemn Nashville statement. They say homosexuality is fully blessed by God. And they will be fully surprised when they are cast into the lake of fire for their stand against what God has ordained in Scripture. Okay, um, I have one long article which came off of a Facebook post from the artist Don Francisco. He's somebody that had been coming up on my YouTube mix just arbitrarily. And um, he sings these songs about Jesus and he sings these songs about being free from sin and blah, blah, blah. Hey, I took him completely off my YouTube mix. I don't want to hear his voice anymore, even if the songs are uplifting because of what I read on his Facebook uh, uh, page. Um, this is one of the commentators on his Facebook page that speaks for him. She said, I need to repeat that we are not inerrantists, meaning that the Bible is inerrant word of God. The reason is that four decades of international uh, itinerant travel demonstrated the vast variety of the body of Christ, many churches claiming inerrancy, none of them agreeing on what scripture says or means. And no two churches have the same doctrines, even within the same denomination. That does not have anything to do with the inerrancy of the Bible. That has to do with the fallibility of man and our inability to properly interpret Scripture. And so that's, that's a non-starter right there. Anyway, um, but Scripture is a powerful document and stands up historically, so they're equivocating on something already. It says there uh, are things in Scripture that are sharply relevant. And she says, people hear his voice on them. Uh, before I go on, she says, people hear his voice. Well, what does it mean to hear the voice of God? Does the Bible contain the Word of God? Is that what it is? Does the Bible become the Word of God when you read it? Oh, this means something to me, and therefore it's the Word of God. Or does it... Is the Bible actually the Word of God? So you have three different possibilities. It contains the Word of God, it becomes the Word of God, or it is the Word of God. And the third is true. The Bible is the Word of God. God spoke out His Word to us through holy men of God. It is the Word of God. It doesn't just contain His Word. It doesn't just become His Word. It is His Word. So I'm going to read you a couple things here that she says right from Scripture. She says, the new is not like the old written on tablets of stone, but on our hearts. So she's tearing a verse out of scripture that has nothing to do with what she's talking about. She goes on, there is no mediator between us and God except Jesus. Okay, if that's true and Jesus spoke, then we should believe what Jesus said. 
You search the scriptures as if you could find life in them, but refuse to turn to Jesus. What Jesus? The Jesus that she's made up, or is it the Jesus that actually is contained in the word of God? And she says the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Once again, tearing a verse out of context and making a, uh, a thing, which she's accusing us of doing. She's mishandling scripture and saying that no two people agree on it. Well, of course people don't agree on it when you're mishandling scripture. So, and then she's using scripture to deny the inerrancy of scripture. So it's a totally convoluted way of thinking. Okay, we'll go on. Um, ironically, inerrantists ignore or twist verses, which she just did, that give scripture a healthy priority. The Bible points to the living Jesus, not the other way around. The Bible is not the fourth person of the Trinity. Well, that's a stupid comment right there because the Trinity implies three, not four, okay? So she's not even thinking clearly in what she's writing. She goes on, it was written by men who were thinking of and inspired by God. So she admits inspiration and then she says it's not the inerrant word of God. To write what they wrote, their opinions differed and they grew and changed their perspectives and they argued with each other, which has nothing to do with that which is written. If Paul and Peter argued over doctrine, it's because Peter was wrong in reinserting the law back into his life instead of trusting in the grace of Christ. Galatians chapter 2, which clearly vindicates Pauline doctrine that we are saved by grace through faith and that the law is annulled in Christ. Anyway, we'll go on. It says the Bible models grappling with life and God openly between each other, not having edicts handed down by people who have fooled you into parroting them. The only thing they're parroting are the commands of God, which are found in the New Testament epistles, which are our doctrine for church age. Okay, she goes on from cover to cover. Scripture is a struggle to determine whether God is retributive, like a pagan God who needs blood sacrifice, or a loving God who freely forgives. I would hate to be this person at the judgment seat of Christ. If she's going there, probably she's not even saved. I would hate to face God with the things that she is saying about how convoluted her thinking is of what the purpose of the law was and what the purpose of the sacrificial system of the law was intended to point to, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. This person is in a real, real sad place, and I hope she finds Christ really soon. She goes on, so when Don, speaking of Don Francisco, posts about the Nashville statement, and she spells it G-N-A-S-H, in other words, gnashing your teeth like it's an angry thing that these people had done when they're merely upholding the word of God. She says the Nashville statement, and people argue that it is based on the word of God, I will immediately assume that people have not read the statement, which is the first thing I went and did, which contains almost no scripture. You don't need to have scripture to have a comment about scripture. Nothing says it does when she takes scripture and she misuses it. Which one is the better? Having a comment about the Bible, which is correct, or having scripture taken out of context and forcing it down somebody's throat when they are completely wrong in their analysis. Okay, she goes on, and that they are indoctrinated in Aaronists, fear-based and judgmental. On this page, here's her final comments. We are LGBTQ plus affirming. And no, we have not departed from Jesus. She'll find out very, very clearly that she's building a diving board and she is going to be able to bounce off of that right into the pit of hell. She says, we are simply beginning to see the measure of his love and the power of God to be our God for others rather than the evangelical lie that love exposes a multitude of sin. It doesn't. No, but God's holiness does. And I can assure you that God's holiness mandates that we hold to the prescripts of Bible taken in context as written by Paul in the New Testament epistles, which is doctrine for the church age. 
If we depart from that, we have departed from all sound theology. All right, one more quick article from Breitbart, just the title. Jesse Jackson says, Trump would not qualify to get into Jesus' kingdom. Well, let me tell you what, none of us qualify because it's not about works. It's about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we get in. And we qualify by exercising faith in him and in him alone. He died for us. We received that. I accept the payment. And that is what qualifies us to enter on his merits, not our merits. And this person obviously hasn't figured that out. He's building a diving board. Okay, next is Islam this week from the Washington Free Beacon. Obama admin hid intel, no surprise, on Iranian militants in Syria to push the nuclear deal. The Obama admin likely hid information about Iran illicitly ferrying militants into Syria on uh, commercial aircraft in order to promote the landmark nuclear deal and foster multi-billion dollar business deals with Tehran's state-controlled airline sector, according to lawmakers and other sources. He was a bad president. He's a very bad man. He did not have the best interests of either the United States of America or Israel in his mind when he did these things. He will be held accountable. From the LA Times, Iran says military sites are off limits for nuclear inspections despite U.S. pressure. We're trying to get inspections to see if they're, um, you know, conforming with the uh, uh, nuclear deal. They say they're off limits. As the Trump admin calls for stricter monitoring of the Iranian nuke agreement, officials in Iran insist that they are complying with its terms and will not allow international inspectors into military sites. But that is no problem at all based on the next article, which is from Israel Hayom. UN nuclear agency sees no need to check Iran military sites. Problem solved. They say it's okay. There will be no problem with Iran. The UN has said so. From Fox, Germany's Merkel. Here's another one. Iran deal a model for solving North Korea problem. So we're going to use the Iran deal to solve the North Korea problem. But the North Korea problem was modeled in order to give us the Iran deal. So we're just making a little circle with deals until they've all built nuclear weapons in the world tailspins into utter destruction. It says um, close diplomacy is the key to solving the North Korea problem. German Chancellor Merkel says Merkel believes an agreement with North Korea that's similar to the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, which Germany helped orchestrate, could be the answer for convincing North Korea leader Kim Jong-un to disarm. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think these people are insane. And as I said, the Iran deal was based on the North Korea deal from Bill Clinton's time frame, and now we're just going back and we're revisiting the same things once again. So from Ynet, Russia stations S-400 batteries near Iranian arms factory in Syria. This is a real problem here. Iranian arms factory manufactures long-range guided missiles for Hezbollah to use against Israel, and Russia is protecting them. Hezbollah, which has already accumulated over 100 rockets, 100,000 rockets, is now seeking to target specific sensitive sites in Israel. To that end, it has been trying to obtain long-range guided missiles by smuggling them from Iran through Syria. However, Israel has been bombing these convoys, essentially foiling Hezbollah's smuggling efforts and leading the terror group to the conclusion its only option is to move missile production closer to home. 
Satellite images show a facility not far from the Syrian coastal town of Tartus, where it is suspected the Syrian regime is producing long-range ballistic missiles under Iranian auspices. The satellite images allegedly show a Russian base built over the past year west of Hama near Tartus, where Moscow has stationed S-400 batteries. Iran is ascending in the Middle East. Russia is supporting them. Syria is being used as a proxy staging against Israel. It is all coming into focus, and it is coming into focus very, very quickly. Gog Magog of Ezekiel 38 is right around the corner. I have to tell you, I, I really believe it, and that will be the impetus when they are destroyed for signing the peace deal, the Antichrist initiating that, and then from there we are going to have um, seven years of hell on earth, followed by... Uh, the millennial reign of Christ, but these things must come to pass first. And I'm a pre-tribulation uh, rapture believer. I believe it's the correct doctrine, and that means we will be out of here. And so it may be soon. We'll just have to see how things continue to line up in Syria, Iran, Libya, Russia, etc. All right, going on. New York Times. Iran dominates in Iraq after U.S. handed the country over. Who do you think did that? Our previous president. Walk into almost any market in Iraq and the shelves are filled with goods from Iran. Milk, yogurt, chicken. Turn on the TV and channel after channel broadcasts programs sympathetic to Iran. A new building goes up. It's likely that cement and bricks came from Iran. And when bored young Iraqi men take pills to get high, the illicit drugs are likely to have been smuggled across the porous Iranian border. And that's not even half of it. Across the country, Iranian-sponsored militias are hard at work establishing a corridor to move men and guns to proxy forces in Syria and Lebanon. And in the halls of power in Baghdad, even the most senior Iraqi cabinet officials have been blessed or bounced out by Iran's leadership. When the U.S. invaded Iraq 14 years ago to topple Saddam Hussein, it saw Iraq as a potential cornerstone of a democratic and western-facing Middle East and vast amounts of blood and treasure about 4,500 American lives lost. More than $1 trillion spent were poured into the cause. From day one, Iran saw something else, a chance to make a client state of Iraq, a former enemy against which it fought in a war in the 1980s, so brutal with chemical weapons and trench warfare that historians look to World War I for analogies. If it succeeded, Iraq would never again pose a threat and it could serve as a jumping off point to spread Iranian influence around the region. In that contest, Iran won and the United States lost. Totally set up by our president when he withdrew when he should not have. This is not surprising to the Bible. It's the Persian Empire, which is coming together again under the main title of Iran, joining together with Russia, joining again together with Turkey and all of these other players, and they are going to come against Israel and they will be destroyed. But these things had to happen first. We had a president that set that up, and now we are facing the consequences of what he has done. All right, Mongolia Weekly from Science News. Discovered in Mongolia. This is something pretty fun. I can't pronounce it. I'm going to try. It's AFB Orthenomimus. Uh, to Greek and Inesis. All right, that's a big word. Paleontologists have found fossil fragments from a new species of Orinthominosaur, which is an ostrich mimic dinosaur. The ancient creature lived in what is now Mongolia during the Campanian 
the fifth of six ages of the late Cretaceous epoch. This is the only third orthomimosaur specimen reported from the, I can't pronounce that location, formation, and is the first orthomimimid uh, record from Elion, whatever, I can't read that. All right, you get the point. There's a dinosaur they have found. It is cute. It looks like an ostrich, and they have found only the third of its type ever. This is a new branch of this type of uh, dinosaur. So, uh, sorry about all the big words. I'm not a very uh, good English linguist. From uh, Daniel 12 Technology Today, from Mail Online. Scientists develop a camera that sees through the human body to avoid expensive x-rays. This is way cool here. It allows doctors to track internal examinations without having to use x-rays. Camera detects light sources in the Bible, such as that of an endoscope. Such light can be identified by the camera through tissue as thick as 20 centimeters. Camera detects time for light to travel so the endoscope location can be determined. It can be used at a patient's bedside and is minimally invasive as an approach. Really great stuff there. No more x-rays. I've been x-rayed so many times in my life that I'm probably nuclear. Anyway, from Mail Online, tormenting voices in schizophrenia patients can be silenced. Imagine this, magnetic pulses may hold the key to treating sufferers. More than a third of patients who underwent the treatment experienced relief. The technique involves bombarding a part of the brain that can trigger voices. It's the first time that the area of the brain responsible has been pinpointed. So we've got something really wonderful that can help schizophrenic people. And uh, we'll hope that that continues and that'll be something that'll relieve a lot of people. From uh, Revelation Plagues today, from goats and soda. Triple threat. New pneumonia is drug resistant, deadly and contagious. Doctors in Hangzhou and Southeast China have detected a type of pneumonia that is both highly drug resistant and very deadly. It also spreads easily. The bacterium killed five people in an intensive care unit in Hangzhou in 2016. This fatal outbreak happened in a brand new hospital with very good hygiene. Drug-resistant strains should not have appeared so quickly. The mi microbe can fight off all drugs available in China. There is a drug available in the United States that should be effective against it, but we haven't tested it yet. These bacteria aren't like other multi-drug-resistant pneumonia reported before. They are a fusion of two dangerous forms. The disease progresses very fast. It starts in the lungs and then infects other organs like the liver. Wow, man, really serious stuff. And if that gets out into the greater society, there's going to be death everywhere. That is going to be one miserable way to go, too. So uh, the wind is really picking up right now. We must have another feeder van coming through, but uh, kind of fun. There's a lot of rain out there, and uh, I'll try to get out of here in between feeder vans so that the dogs don't get wet because, you know, you don't want your dogs to smell like wet dogs. Anyway, um, from Space Daily, Nigeria floods displace more than 100,000 people. More than 100,000 people have had to flee their homes after heavy rains and flooding in Nigeria's southeast, southeastern Benue state. A lot of people have died. We hear a lot about Houston, but these people in Nigeria have really, really been flooded. And this is many years in a row they've had things like this happen there. It's a catastrophe. From Quartz, um, this is from back on 9-5. The uh, previous article was from 9-1. A couple days later, floods in Africa in August killed 20 Five times more people than Hurricane Harvey did. Imagine that. 25 times more people and all we hear about is Harvey. 
when people are suffering in Africa as well. So let's keep them in prayer. From the Huff, uh, Huff Post, while hurricanes batter the south, the west is on fire. You've heard about it. It's all over the West. We've got uh, great friends of the Superior Word, some who attend online, who have been really hemmed in by these fires. One of them emailed a couple days ago, or maybe it was a post that said, I'm thanking the Lord. I'm seeing rain coming down right now. Really, really a blessing. We're very, very fortunate in Florida to have rain, but we're getting a little bit too much rain and a lot of wind, so there's bad here as well. All right, from Morality Today, from the Daily Caller, Bisexuals. 400% more prevalent in Harvard freshmen than the general population. You think they have an agenda there at Harvard? Well, approximately 1.8% of the general U.S. population identifies as bisexual. 7.9% of Harvard's class of 2021 says they are bisexual. This sexual orientation disparity is not the only one revealed by Harvard's freshman survey. The Ivy League school's percentage of admitted bisexual students has grown over the past four years. Bisexuals comprised 2.5% of Harvard's 2017 class, 2.6% in the 2018 class, 4.9% in the 2019 class, and going up again 5.7% in the 2020 class. They certainly have an agenda. The percent of heterosexuals admitted hovered around 90% for the classes of 27 and 2017 and 2018, but has fallen to 82.4% since then. Harvard is on its way out. What a crummy place. All right, from CNN, India crowns its first transgender beauty queen. Big deal. What a corrupt world we're living in where we have to put up with this type of stuff. You take a male that dresses up like a female and you say that she's the most beautiful person in the country. you got to be kidding me. All right, let's go on. From Christian News, mother shares photos of perfectly, wonderfully formed son miscarried at 14 weeks. Urges women to rethink abortion. That's her child. If you're looking on the screen right now, that's her child that she took pictures of to show what a child is like at 14 months. A mother who recently lost twins in her womb within weeks of each other is sharing photos of one of her children miscarried at 14 weeks to social media and hopes that those who are contemplating abortion will see and understand the reality of fetal development. He is perfectly and wonderfully formed. Sounds like she's quoting the Bible almost, right down to his amazing tiny toes and fingers. Even his fingernails are formed invisible at only 14 weeks. Uh, and her name is Felicia Hash. So I'd like to uh, thank the Lord that a person would be willing to do that and to stand up for this, um, you know, uh, stopping this abortion agenda in America. Weasel Zippers, Judge Block's Texas ban on dismemberment abortions, tearing babies limb from limb. We've just seen that a baby that is 14 weeks old is already perfectly formed. They have a ban that they passed in Texas for um, uh, not allowing dismemberment of children in the womb and tearing them apart and then taking them out piece by piece, and a judge blocked that. And if you know what I'm thinking, what penalty he deserves, what punishment he deserves, then you think a lot like me. I'm not going to say it because somebody will have me arrested, I'm sure, but I think that there's a penalty that we could give him in exchange for what he has done in Texas. Um, in a disappointing but not wholly unexpected ruling, a liberal Texas judge blocked a law Thursday that would protect unborn babies from dismemberment abortions. U.S. District Judge Lee Yackel blocked Texas Senate Bill 8 one day before it would have gone into effect. 
signed into law earlier this summer. Texas Senate Bill 8 prohibits dismemberment abortions, a method typically used in the second trimester to kill nearly formed, uh, fully formed living unborn babies. It is a barbaric and dangerous procedure in which the unborn baby is ripped apart in the womb and pulled out in pieces while his or her heart is still beating. We just saw pictures of a 14-week-old child, and they're allowing this to continue in Texas. I know what I would do to this person. I know exactly. I was talking with Sergio before the update, and um, uh, he said, you know, we've had 60 people killed from Hurricane Harvey. 60 people. Imagine the number of lives that have been saved because the abortion clinics have been closed there for a while. But something depressing, I read an article just a day ago where they are raising funds, some sick individual is raising funds for emergency abortions to be conducted in Texas because they don't have access to abortion facilities in Houston. All right, so this is the world we're living in. You talk about Genesis chapter 6 stuff, this is it. This is where it's all coming down to, and it is such a sad, sad world that we are living in. So... I, I'm very thankful for the woman who made the choice to, the brave choice to show her child online and to appeal for ending abortion. And I am really upset about that judge that took the other stand. Okay, our other category today from Fox 40. Sacramento City Council approves advanced peace program. After a violent weekend of suspected gang-related shootings, the Sacramento City Council took action to reduce the bloodshed. It approved a controversial program called Advanced Peace, which offers cash stipends to gang members who remain peaceful. Man, that's as bad as the Pakistanian people who are over there that are getting paid for killing terrorists. They're just paying people to not kill instead of throwing them in jail, right? Or deporting them because they're probably illegal. The program is already in use in Richmond and is also being considered in Stockton. Some people believe it can help curb violent crime. So you pay people to not commit a crime. That is a crime in and of itself, in my opinion. In the end, the council agreed to the program, voting nine to zero in favor. Nine to zero. That's a bunch of lunatics out there from Zero Hedge. Coming to a town near you, expert warns that no gun zones are coming. They're growing in places all over America, like Cedar Riverside area of Minneapolis, where Sharia cops make house checks to make sure Somali refugees are not becoming too westernized. And Hamtramck, Michigan, where the call to pray is blasted over loudspeakers in Arabic, which ought to be against the law, and storefronts that once peddled Polish sausage are now brimming with halal meats. Of course, America's always had neighborhoods that were predominantly inhabited by various immigrant, immigrant groups, but over time, those immigrants still assimilated. But you look at the Muslim immigrants, and they're not doing that. They're actually further ghettoizing. They're moving inward, not outward. They're a perverse society, which is not taking the normal course of people moving into another country. Polls by Pew Research show a higher proportion of young Muslims backing terrorism, supporting death for apostasy, death for homosexuals, and the idea that women must cover herself with the hijab or the burqa. So it's the opposite trend of Little Italy becoming less like Little Italy and more like America. You see a higher dispensation than their parents who believe these things. Kassam said they're holding on to this Muslim American sort of thing and they're being supported by the political left. Hamatrek is became or became the first U.S. city to elect a majority Muslim city council, 
effectively chasing away many of the last Polish holdouts. What's going on in Europe right now should stand as a warning to Americans. Those countries have made a terrible, terrible mistake with their immigration policies. But unlike Europe, we still have time to change course. We can still adopt a sensible immigration policy that invites people who treasure our values and turns back those who would have no respect for what we stand for. What a sad thing that's happening in America. We're throwing away our heritage, we're throwing away our legacy, and Islam is taking ascendancy. Just as Iran is taking ascendancy over in the Middle East, Islam is doing that in towns around America now. It's a very, very sad commentary. From Weasel Zippers, Trump moves to restore work requirement for welfare. Good job, President Trump. The Trump admin moved to reimpose work requirements for Americans on welfare, revoking an Obama-era policy that urged states to apply for waivers, exempting the poor from having to show they were either getting job training or looking for work. Requiring work was a key part of the 1996 welfare reform law enacted by a GOP-led Congress and signed by then-President Bill Clinton. And Mr. Trump's moves restores the law as written. Good job. The waiver option offered by the Obama admin is being replaced today, this is a couple days ago, by an expectation that work should always be encouraged as a condition for receiving welfare. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, which says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's a misquote, obviously, but uh, you get the general sense of it. You go to work or you don't eat. And Christians do have um, provision for taking care of the poor and the needy and the homeless. But if you're able-bodied, you get out there and you work or you stay hungry there, chief. All right, uh, let's see here. I've got a lesseric for you this week. See if you can guess which article this is coming from. Harvard freshmen can go either way four times more than the USA today. It's now harder for straight to find a suitable mate that is heterosexed and not gay. So good job, Les. I kind of misquoted one of his things there. I get a little tongue twisted. Uh, I added in a word, but it came out just fine. Thank you, Les, for your wonderful, wonderful uh, limerick this week. And uh, I've got an irony of the week for you. Actually, I've got two of them. And uh, last week I did the firemen. This week I'm doing police officers. But before I get into that, I want to remind you that Sergio and Rhoda have done a travel video, as they do each week. It's very good. It deals perfectly with what we were talking about earlier. Plus, it's, it's just fun. They make everything fun. They're a wonderful group of people. And uh, I can't remember if I only told the online audience this or if I told the people in the Prophecy Update. But right now, we are being um, uh, live-streamed through Israel. And anything that you're seeing on the Prophecy Update is being done by Sergio in Israel. And so uh, if you have any problems with it, uh, that's my fault. If anything good is working and you're seeing any other uh, graphics or anything, that is because Sergio is making it happen all the way from Israel. So thank you for your effort today, Sergio and Rhoda. And a couple of ironies. The first is from Fox News. Florida police fatally shoot woman threatening suicide. So that's a little bit ironic there. It's not very happy, but, you know, such is the world we live in. And uh, from Weasel Zippers. Armed suspects rob pub full of off-duty Baltimore County police officers attending a party. And it didn't go well with them. If you uh, see their photo, they were well beaten up. But uh, good job, cops. Kind of uh, stupid on part of the, uh, the robbers. But anytime you break the law, you're doing something that isn't probably not to be done. 
So um, we're going to go ahead, I believe now, I'm not sure how things are working um, with the uh, live streaming, but we're going to go ahead and have a uh, graphic video from Disney for you. We are in the ancient town of Tsapori, an amazing archaeological discovery. When the Jews rebelled in AD 70 against the Romans, the residents of Tsapori said, we're not going to join the revolt, and instead they surrendered. So the Romans did not destroy the city like they destroyed other cities in Israel. So we have it today. While Nazareth was a very small town in the first century, made of few hundred people that depended on farming, Tsipori was an aspiring town being built by Herod. So people like Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, but was a carpenter, a builder, would have made his journey here every day, it was 3.7 miles to be exact, and would have worked here. Herod would have needed all the working hands around here, and all the carpenters and the builders to help him build this magnificent place, the jewel of the Galilee, actually. Tsipori had one of the most sophisticated water systems in their time. They dug out a giant water reservoir, which is about 700 meters away from the actual city. This reservoir would collect water from a little spring and rain. Then they dug out six different shafts and a channel that would go all the way to the city. But here's the best part. In the city, the water would go into the living room of the houses. That is almost as good as we have it today. Water in every house. Pigeons are throwing rocks on us. <laughs> I am walking on the ancient trade path called Via Maris. This path starts in Egypt and goes all the way up to Damascus. People traded on this path and it was very important. So when Tsipori was built on it, it wasn't by coincidence and that's why Tsipori had a lot of trade and it was a rich place. It was built on the trade route. Now it wasn't by coincidence that God chose this land, Israel, in its geographical placement to be the place for his people. It connected the Southern Empire with the Northern Empires, Egypt with Babylonia and Assyria.
Rabbi Eliezer, one of the great six sages from the Talmud and the Mishneh, lived here. And there's an interesting story. He meets a disciple of Jesus named Jacob. That's a story from the Talmud. Who is Jacob? Could it be James, the brother of Jesus? Possibly. They discuss a matter of a law. What matter? It was about Day of Atonement. And Rabbi Eliezer agrees with Jacob. Later on, Rabbi Eliezer is judged for agreeing with him, and he's called a heretic. Even though it seems trivial to us today, it confirms two things. Number one, the dating of the New Testament. Rabbi Eliezer lived and wrote that story from 50 to 100 AD. James lived about the same time, which means it's very probable that they actually met. Second, to discuss such a matter and for the great sage to agree with the disciple of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus must have known the law very, very well. So if you get to meet a religious Jew and talk to him about Jesus, you can ask him, did you not know that even the great sage, Rabbi Eliezer, who is mentioned in the Mishneh, agreed with a teaching of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus? It would be a great starting point to validate the authenticity of Jesus and his great knowledge in the law. So Rhoda decided to pick the cactus with her bare hands. This is it, it's a cactus fruit. It's got those giant thorns, and then it has those little thorns, like hundreds of them. They're so small you can barely see them, but they stay in your skin, they don't get out. And they hurt really bad. Oh, they hurt. Lesson to self, never pick up a cactus fruit without gloves. <laughs> so I wonder that now you have all those thorns, would that make you ceremonially unclean? According to the first century laws. Do you eat ham? Turn the camera off. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the Cactus Woman. I want the pomegranate. I have a special technique I learned in the military. It's called spider leg or leg spider. You use your legs. It's not bad. Pretty good. You think? Yeah. Is it good? Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> This week, our dear Jewish friends were getting married, so we had a chance to witness a Messianic Jewish wedding. It had all the Jewish rituals, the seven blessings, the drinking of the wine, the exchange of the rings, and the breaking of the cup, to remind us of the destruction of the second temple in anticipation for the third. But this wedding, unlike any other Jewish wedding, was centered around Christ. And the rabbi preached straight from the New Testament, so that all the attendees will hear the gospel of Yeshua HaMashiach. And when the ceremony was done, celebrations began in the Jewish style. 
Thank you for watching, everyone. This is uh, Sergio from Nazareth, Israel, uh, just getting in here on a live feed to close our live stream. And I believe we still have Charlie on. Charlie, can you hear me? I can. Excellent. So let me see if we can get your feed in. All right, there we go. We can see you now. All right, we've got Miri here. And uh, Miri. Yeah, and we've got in the other room, we've got Zacchaeus. And we've got um, Pishnai, which means double portion. And then we have Fatso. He didn't get a biblical name. He was supposed to be Joshua, but that didn't work out because he's such a blob. But uh, Sergio, are you still there? Can I talk to you? Yeah, I'm yeah, still here. All right, listen, I want to say that um, watching that uh, wedding video a second time gives me hope because I see that I'm not the worst dancer in the world. That chicken dance <laughs> that those guys were dancing with was pretty, uh, pretty fun. But um, we have, oh, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you did I'm not see me dance me. there. That would be. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, it was it was pretty special. That was a very wonderful video, and I hope it touched some people's hearts. Um, one of the things I want to say is that uh, while we were watching that video, I see people posting on the live streaming, and uh, one of them is Ruth down in uh, Trinidad, and it's a real blessing to know that she's there with us. I saw an article in the paper just uh, this past. Maybe it was yesterday. I believe that they're having um, uh, locusts down there right now. If, if I read that right, uh, they're having some type of a, a small plague of locusts in Trinidad. So anyway, I'd like to know if that's true. But I send my love to her and to everybody that is um, uh, out there online. I'm getting some real bad feedback, so I'm just going to go ahead and close. Um, all the people online, I want to give them my love. And uh, I want to let you know that the uh, house that I'm sitting in right now is the home that I've been in for many, many years. I grew up just down the road, and uh, we've been here, uh, uh, as I said, 69 years. And if this house gets destroyed or if I die in the next 24 hours, I don't want anybody to grieve. I know Jesus Christ. This, my hope is not in this home, and I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me or for anyone else that knows Christ. We have a better hope. And uh, so if you have not taken the time to call on Jesus Christ and to be reconciled to him through his precious blood, then I would ask that you would do that today. Life is short, life is tenuous, but Jesus Christ will prevail over all things. And so from Sarasota, Florida, to Nazareth, Israel, and from Mary, we wish you a wonderful, wonderful week, and God bless all of you. And if we don't see you again in the near future, please just bear with us, okay? We love you. Have a great, great afternoon.